Welcome everyone to the Nightmares Podcast, where we talk about everything horror, movies, TV shows, video games, comics, music, anything horror-related, we'll talk about it. I'm Brandon, and with me as always are... Zach. Mark. All right, so... I'm hungry. (laughs) I'm tired. Um, I'm Mark's Italian! (laughs) Which, uh, we had a very eventful uh, weekend... This week, uh, we went and did some equipment tests and rehearsals for an upcoming production. Uh, everything went well, but of course, we are completely wiped out, <laughs> just completely drained of energy. So I'm just hungry. We did what we always do in situations like this. We watched a movie, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, this time, we chose a movie that Zach and I have seen. I've seen it multiple times. Zach, you've seen it. Four. This is your fourth time? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. And so this was Mark's first time, so we're going to get his thoughts about it. Uh, But first, Zach, introduce what we watched today. Mandy! Mandy starring Nicolas Cage. And Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Caging all over Nicolas Cage. Um, uh, This was definitely an opportunity for him to shine. And actually, there's there's a little bit of similarities between the level of insanity from the other movie that Brandon and I saw, uh, which was, I forgot the Color name. Color Out of Space. Color Out of Space. Yep. There's, there's some similar... also produced by Spectre Vision, Elijah Wood's production company. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, because I could see a lot of similarities from this. So, uh, the... Um, and Nicolas Cage actually, being Nicolas Cage, made a lot more sense in, to me in this movie than it did in, in that movie. But I still need to see that again yeah. by your recommendation. I agree with that statement, but I will say Color Out of Space is better on repeat viewings. It's not the performance, like if I had directed it, that's not the kind of performance I would have wanted out of the character. But that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just different, different than how I would have made it. Fair enough. So so Mandy um, is, is, a, is a really, really good... Um, Revenge story. Um, I actually joked with Zach a little bit. I was like, "Oh, so this is basically the crow, except he doesn't die." Um, <laughs> the uh, it, not which, wrong. It, which I mean, which is not a bad thing at all. No, it's the, not the a bad first th- crow movie is fucking amazing. The um, I was okay on it. You okay on the crow? Yeah, yeah. and I, I only ever okay. saw it once though, so I do. It is one of those movies that I need to see it again because I only saw it once. I saw it a long while back. What year was the crow? Ninety four. Ninety four. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my birthday! Um, my birthday year. Same director as I Robot, which oh. I was also just okay on. I really did enjoy I and Robot. Another Nicolas Cage movie called Knowing, which I was just okay on. I'm gonna agree with that one. I was and okay on that. One. It was a good movie. He also did Gods of Egypt. Never saw that which one. Nobody liked or saw. I'm and gonna go with nobody saw because every there was a bunch of people who were pissed off about it. Yeah. So I want to see it one day, and I'm going to make Ray watch it with me because he hates it. So it'll just be funny to just watch him go. I also heard he had some of the worst CGI effects in the last ten years. Uh, but he also I'll be the judge of that. Thank you. But in 1998, he also directed a movie called Dark City, which is actually pretty darn phenomenal. I've heard of it, never saw it, never even heard of it. It's awesome. Yeah, no, I'll definitely check that out. Um, I'll check that out, but you got to check out The Crow. Okay. Deal? Cool. And I, I have it here somewhere. I just haven't watched it since that first time I got it. Nice. So. That, would be, that would be a fantastic screaming room. The, uh, anyway, um, so, so this movie is, is a, uh, essentially a revenge story. It is definitely a 
indie style horror in the best possible way. This is what every A24 movie wants to be. Yep. And probably should be. Good, un- unique, uh, artsy, and, you know, good. But they always miss the good mark. Which we did talk about that just like on our own off of the podcast. Uh, maybe it was like a week, two weeks ago where Mark posed the question to Zach, if A24 is that type of movie done bad, who does it good? And you mentioned Mandy, and I kind of thought about the movies that Spectre Vision does, and I would say Spectre Vision is kind of, I would call them the good A24, looking at what they do. Yeah, I still haven't seen Color Out of Space. Like, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, it looks interesting, but I'm not, like, excited or just, like, I want to go out to see it. Mandy, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, I need to fucking see this. Yeah. And holy shit, was that a great movie experience. Like, I I love watching it, but seeing that movie in the theater was just something else. Like, beautiful. I, I fucking loved every moment of it. Walked out of that theater with the biggest smile on my face. It was my favorite movie of 2018. God damn, I f- just beautiful. It's nice to hear Zach actually be passionate about something for a change. The, um, and not be, meh. The, uh, anyway, this, I will say this though, right off the top of the bat, this is a gorgeous movie. Visually, it is a gorgeous movie. Agreed. Um, it is, uses every bit of color you can possibly imagine. It is a masterpiece in lighting, coloring, just overall fantastic framing. It's, it's definitely an acid trip, to say the least. I mean, a lot of this stuff is very metaphoric and... Um, it's very prog rocky in a way. Sure. Like, if, if prog rock were a movie and not music, I this. S- I still don't understand prog rock, what that is. We'll, we'll, we'll just... explain it to you later. Rush, yes. The uh, It's very kind of trippy. I um, see more metal in this than I do prog rock. I see both, actually. I, I'm definitely down with both. The um, so so essentially the plot is that Nicolas Cage is a woodcutter in the. You mean a lumberjack? Lumberjack, lumberjack, woodsman. You woods, woodsman, D all the but woodcutter. Well, that's technically what they are. Um, uh, the uh, in the I'm assuming the Pacific Northwest because that's where most of that happens, or in Canada somewhere. Uh, this movie takes place in 1983. Uh, you actually hear a radio um, excerpt from Ronald Reagan that that was like really early in his uh, presidential term and uh, he has a girlfriend uh, who is an avid reader and uh, fantasy novels indeed um, she's also a fan of Motley Crue uh, she had a, a really awesome Motley Crue and that's early Motley Crue like I think that's I think that's actually 1983 was too fast for love the um, I think it might have been before Shadow of the Devil because that was like right at the that that thing um, or, yeah, and then that was at, um... Is that why Justin likes this movie? Um, I'd imagine it's one of the things that made him go early on in the movie, okay, I'm on board. Uh-huh. Which, yeah. it's, uh, when I showed it to him, um, he actually had the idea of we each choose ten movies from our collection that the other one hadn't seen. This was that time. And we would kind of pair them together on which ones would make the best double features. So it'd be like we do uh. 10 double features, one movie from my collection that he'd never seen, one from his collection that I'd never seen. And one of the ones I picked was Mandy. 
and one of the ones he picked was Drive Angry. So it was just kind of natural that we paired those two up. <laughs> yeah. Drive Angry is another fantastic movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. I'll definitely be checking it out. I, I've always loved Nicolas Cage. Um, the uh, I've been a big fan of Nicolas Cage for a long time. I think the first movie of his I ever saw was either Face Off or um, The Rock. Uh, the uh, which both are great movies. For me, I think it was Gone in sixty seconds. That makes sense. And actually, if it was and Gone in sixty seconds, was probably very, very short after that. Yeah. After seeing those two movies, yeah, I, I just remember being like a younger kid, and, and my dad introducing me to like to the, all those like rated R movies that you can kind of still show a ten year old um, or a nine year old. Like I said, my family didn't care. Yeah, there was Gone in sixty seconds, Con Air. Kind of Those are the two biggest ones that I remember from the early days. The um, I I think I, I happen to think that The Rock and Face Off are better movies than the Con. I mean, Con Air. Look, fun, I love but... Con Air, but I I do not remember much from The Rock. I know I've seen it. I just barely fucking remember it. But Face Off, great movie. Oh yeah, love that. Yeah, that's and that's a a hell of a pair to have John Travolta and Nicolas Cage both in the same thing. Agreed. Switching characters. My first Nicolas Cage movie was Honeymoon in Vegas. Wow! Don't think I've ever even heard of that one. The uh, my dad met him when he was filming that. Oh wow! The uh, ended Holy up shit. ended up playing dice with him at uh, in Vegas. Huh. Really? Back in the, yep, yep. Back in the early eighties. The um, and uh, then Matt Stickman is probably the first movie where I, I was aware of who Nicolas Cage was. Matt Stickman and Lord of War are two movies my buddy has been trying to get me to see for fucking years now, and I've just been too lazy to do it. Matt I have the DVD of Matt Stickman if you want to watch it. Matt Stickman is a is a great character piece, and it's actually it's Nicolas Cage re- is showing some really great acting talents, and that is actually the first movie I ever saw Sam Rockwell in. The, Mine was Galaxy Quest. And I, I, just, I just saw Galaxy Quest just after that. I saw Matt Stickman. Uh, Absolutely. Do, do you know who Galaxy. directed Matt Stickman? No, I don't. I don't remember. Ridley Scott. That is great. It is like the most random. This is so not his type of movie at all. But I can I can tell though. Now that you yeah. said that, I can tell. I can I can tell. Um, uh, whatever whatever beef you have, it's, it probably has to do with Alien. The uh, I don't say yeah yeah I, I it always has to do with like one of five movies. So I, I would argue the counselor was worse than Alien Covenant. Yeah, but nobody saw that. I did. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, anyway, um, uh, so let's get off of Ridley Scott and back to Nicolas Cage. And, back to and, somebody with actual talent. Thank you. And this movie, uh, so so he is uh, his. Um, his girlfriend and him are just having a normal life, um, uh, you know, living their thing. Um, while this is all going on, there is a religious cult uh, of some kind um, running amok. Did I miss something? I don't know if I would call them a religious cult. I would call them more religious fanatics. Because yeah. it was like, it was more like, it was like a hippie commune run by this one guy but that 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 like i like and i guess there were some religious aspects to it but for the most but it's it's not like a religious cult like you would think from um it's not driving like yeah it's not it's, it's yeah not drive like, angry it's clearly a cult yeah it's it's not like this the heaven's w- gate people yes yeah. it's more like these um, are just his this, few followers this, this, who he's yeah, been able to this like feel, felt like charles manson the um, yeah it's closer to that the um except with a lot more religious undertones especially when he was showing the album and I'm like, I'm feeling a lot of 
Charles Manson and like yeah. Brian Wilson shit going on right now. The um, some uncomfortably it's close close to cult, but it's not quite there. And it just it was just really interesting to watch these people because they seem so like a decade out of place. Yeah, like the Manson murders took place in '69 and '70, and this was in '83. And I'm like, and I'm like, this is this is almost like they're they're just. 10 to 12 years off. Yeah, but it of, was like it was like the one main like super pretentious guy and his cronies who have no real lives of their own so they'll follow him. Yeah, and, essentially. And, and they were, I mean, they're what, losers. What, what, and that's that's a cult. They are crazy um, violent losers. That's that's a cult. Like as much research that I did especially for clowns about cults like that's the crazy part about like the cult leaders, it's all about like power and manipulating people, you know. And most of the time, or in the words of Ralphie Mae, it's all about just banging the underage or very young chicks. Because, yeah. like, I mean, when he did bring out the record, like, Mandy asked him, you made this song, and it's like, he has his followers who are probably just like, this is art, man. Yeah, and, uh, and then you have Mandy just laughing her face off at him. Either laughing her face at the music or his small penis. I don't know. Both. Which, but I, I was going to say both. Totally both. <laughs> the, or just, like, just how pretentious the guy is is like oh, it was yeah. like somebody Painful. it was like he was so um infatuated with this woman and just everything that he builds himself on she just openly mocks and it was great which is actually kind of interesting because that i mean i'm probably gonna read way too deep into this but that's actually a huge difference between the 60s and late you know in early 70s from the early 80s to the late 80s. This is a difference in cultural appreciation or cultural understanding. Like back in the like that Charles Manson days, like, you know, it was all about the center of the universe and, you know, and like coming together and like, you know, like peace and love and like the center is is where you need to be. And by the time you got to the 80s and like Reaganomics and shit like that where people were just worried about like success, that was ridiculous. Like that that, yeah. that that sounded ludicrous and stupid and, and like her reaction is a, as such. Well, that's another thing. You also got to look at how many people follow him. It's only a handful of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I so mean, that's why, yeah, it makes sense. But the funny thing is like had it been like Our small 11 independent years, film crews are bigger than that guy's cult. Yeah. Pretty much. It just seems like if it was like 11 years ago, like this dude would have been the shit. Probably. Like, like it would he would have been like the thing he like the way he thinks he is he would have been but like it's so funny to watch this dude who's like clearly hippie talking to a girl who's wearing a motley crew shirt which is like the essence of glam rock and like the 80s and like decadence and all that stuff and money and like he's all about like you know the center of the universe and drugs and acid i'm like dude you are way the fuck behind bro like you should you like were po- 10 to 15 years too late yes and then some and then some so um dude when he sees her she's wearing a black sabbath shirt and then yeah oh yeah and then she's also wearing a black sabbath shirt i'm like I'm like yeah dude you're it ain't happening bro wrong time wrong place man wrong 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 time yeah the uh so so the plot progresses um uh, essentially this cult fanatical people whatever you want to call them the um are coming into town they happen. The cult leader happens to see the see her on the side of the road, and he decides, mm, "I want her." Um, and then the uh, his creepy old former lover, I guess, 
um, comes into the shop that she works in and kind of, I guess, feels her out and tries to figure out, you know, I think she's just doing some groundwork to find out how many people she actually lives with. So how hard is it going to be yeah. to take her out? Also where she lives. Exactly. And Mandy was dumb enough to tell her. Pretty much. So we found it was out. It a much more trusting time. It, indeed it was. Fair enough. The uh, Nowadays you just lie and be like, oh yeah, I live in the city. And you come to work here every day? Um, yes. People the, do that. Uh, so, and then obviously the most interesting part comes in. When you figure out that this cult is being backed by, I, I don't know what they are. Um, like it's it's literally like Hellraiser meets Sons of Anarchy. It is. Um, uh, it's, it's essentially what it is. Type type of deal. Like it, they're backed by you know this kind of muscle that is. Some they're kind. an old biker gang that used to run drugs. Okay. But they took uh, they they got their hands on some of this this concoction of LSD that just completely fucked their minds up. So they now drink blood or what or drink blood, whatever. Blood, that version of LSD and love pain. Like okay. it's yeah, you're right. It's Cenobites meets Sons of Anarchy. Yep. That is the perfect description for these types of people. The uh, except they they don't talk as much as Cenobites. Um, uh, they talk a little bit less. Yeah. The, um, I guess, and then also they require some type of sacrifice before they do any kind of bidding for this cult leader. Well, they do like blood. So they, they ended up sacrificing one of their cult members to grab this girl. The fat kid. The fat guy. Fatty. So, and then also, by the way, just as a spoiler warning, um, if you have not seen Mandy, please uh, stop listening right now. Go watch Mandy. Then come right back, because I am going to spoil this for the intended purpose of us being able to openly talk about this plot. So, you've been warned. Cool. The uh, So, the uh, they end up finding Mandy. Um, they uh, they go through what we just talked about. Uh, she laughs her ass off at the cult leader. Cult leader don't like that. So, they put her in a burlap. Which they drugged her up before. It's true. Yeah, which, how about that giant hornet thing? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that was. They kept it in liquid, and then they had it stinger. I don't know how the fuck that thing was still alive in there, by the way. That thing was submerged. And they also put some, uh, they, they clockwork orange her without the, the, of the tape, and they yeah. put the droppers in her eyes, which, I mean, they, that may be drugs. I don't know. It's probably I, drugs. I think I read somewhere that was supposed to be liquid LSD. Okay. Makes sense to me. That makes sense. That makes sense. The, I mean, you could take drugs through your eyes. I've heard and seen shit like that before so. oh absolutely the uh so they go ahead and drug her she uh meets the cult leader laughs at the cult leader's music and small penis um uh, penis. which the cult leader was played by the actor who played but who played uh thomas wayne in batman begins which is which i find that really random that is really interesting because i because i could hear his voice and i'm like you're you're actually a pretty good actor i'm surprised yeah. that you're not as you know, well known, you know, uh, or you don't have as much work. He's done a lot of TV show stuff. Like I saw Law and Order and shit like that. So he's kind of one of those actors. But I'm like, this is probably his biggest role, at least from what I can tell. And that, and and if that's not a wig, then he has amazingly perfect hair, because his hair is perfect. The um, uh, especially for that time. Oh, a hundred percent. The um, so anyway, the cult leader didn't like that, so they put her into a burlap sack, and they go ahead and light her on fire. Um, uh, with Nicolas Cage being chained up and while he gets to watch. No, not chained up, barbed wired up. Yeah, which is, I'm, I imagine, is deeply uncomfortable. The um, you, you have your mouth gagged by barbed wire and your hands locked by barbed wire. Tell me how comfortable you are. The, <laughs> good point. So, um, 
something interesting that they don't ever say out loud, but it's very clear that Nicolas Cage's character is a former alcoholic um, uh, because he completely avoids booze um, when he at the very beginning when he's getting shipped back from cutting down everything. Um, one of his coworkers offers him a beer, and then he and he says no. And then also finally when he awakes um, after um, his girlfriend has been murdered, he um, uh, eventually gets to the bathroom, which is the most well-lit place in the entire movie. <laughs> you can see everything. And he goes to a, um, like a, a little armoire with a, with a drawer and then finds a, a, a bottle of vodka that's been hidden. And then goes ahead and goes to town and then... Literally ha- downs the whole thing. And then gets Nicolas Cage all over the Nicolas Cage. But I will tell you this, though. Completely appropriate. Oh, yeah. Completely appropriate. Very, very good for what the scene needed to be. Um, every reason, every problem I had with... Um, um, Colorado, Colorado Space. Space. Colorado Space. I liked in this movie. Um, when he had his moments in... In color space, I didn't care for it because the moment wasn't right. Well, but in this th- one, that wasn't every moment. Like the car, no, fr- the car freak moment. out in Colorado space was very effective. It was very effective. I think I just happen to think that this was even more yes, effective. I agree because I, I, I wasn't really laughing. Like I was, la- I, I like snickered at one point, but like for, <laughs> the, for the most part, like it, I was in it with him. The because um, I felt it. The um, and I and I and he was. It was a person coming out of shock and just dealing with all the things that he just saw. And it was a great opportunity for Nicolas Cage to be Nicolas Cage. The, um, so um, eventually he gets his shit together um, and he decides that, that of course, revenge is, is the best option, um, which I do not blame him. So he goes ahead and um, uh, tries to hunt down his crossbow um, that was left by... One of the actors from the Bill Predator, Duke. yep, Will Duke from the Predator, um, which was very nice to see him. Um, and Will Duke gives a little bit of ex, you know exposition to explain the evil um, Cenobite slash um, SOA. Yep, um, the bikers, the bikers, pretty much the demon bikers. Again, that's exactly what they are. <laughs> yep, um, uh, you know a little bit of explanation about wh- what they are, why they are the way that they are, and then he goes after them. Well, before that, after he picks up his crossbow, Bill Duke gives him two um, crossbow bolts that he made himself, and he can have them on the condition that he puts them to good use. And then Nicolas Cage makes an axe. Forgot about that. Forges an axe, I should say. One of the most badass forgery scenes in history. That was so awesome to watch in the theater. Yeah. Beautiful um, with the sound mix and everything. Which, uh, when I was in Los Angeles last year during the um, ASC Masterclass, I think it was after Wednesday was finished. Was it Wednesday or Thursday? I think it was Wednesday. Uh, it doesn't really matter what day. But after one of the days, um, it was one of the girls' birthday. And so uh, she invited everybody from the class to go to, like, the Star Wars cantina. And it ended up just being her, me, and one of the other students. And we went there. And I was, like, admiring all the different decks. Because I thought it was just going to be Star Wars stuff. But no, they have... Oh, they have a lot of stuff there. It's a beautiful place. They have everything. And I just happened to look above the bar. 
and it's like in the shadows like it was just like it just kind of caught the corner of my eye they had the axe and the cheddar goblin and i was the only <laughs> one at our table that knew what those things were the uh, oh yeah the cheddar goblin was a ridiculous 80s commercial that was playing at one point about that had to do with the uh, cheddar cheddar goblin was a company that made macaroni and cheese and had some goblin running around literally throwing up um macaroni and cheese while children ate it um it was dude it is like it's the 80s version of that youtube video about the 90s oh, yeah. the 90s kids versions except it's not hilarious. except not as grotesque not something i put on my wall the axe absolutely i would love to build that thing and mount it somewhere and maybe even use it one day but yeah the Goblin is a very specific reference. Yeah, that's one of the few places I would love to go back and visit in L.A. Because that place was fucking awesome. Nice. The uh, so uh, so after Nicolas Cage goes has and uh, and forges his weapon, uh, he goes after the first biker, uh, which uh, proves to be a, a harder task than I'm sure he realized. Oh yeah, and after he forges the axe, we finally get the title of the movie, an hour and fifteen minutes in. Yep. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. The, um, uh, well, I guess, I guess, you know, <laughs> I mean, like I said, the movie has a very slow start. Better late than ever, I suppose. The, uh, so. But it pays off. Nicholas Cage uh, ends up uh, uh, tracking the biker gang down and shoots his crossbow to trip up one of the, uh, one of the bikers and then runs his car into it. And I guess this dude is so strong that the car flips over. And then lands, and then he gets um, uh, captured by the rest of the gang. Yep. Um, and uh, next to a pit of death, um, because no villain is complete, as Zach said, without a pit of death. <laughs> uh, which my immediate response was, it's just too expensive to be a villain these days. Um, uh, these uh, days, yeah. The, um, the 80s uh, were a much different time. The, uh, you, know, you know, back then you could pay off contractors. Now they're too expensive. You know, do you want to build a pit? Well, why do you want to build a pit? You got unions. You it's, unions it's a and stuff mess. like that. You know, you, you can only bribe and kill so many people. The, exactly. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, then, you, you know, and, and everybody's got a separate job now. So you got a guy to build the pit. You got a guy to pour the cement to keep the pit in, in line. You got a guy to put any kind of lighting down in case you got to go down there to, to retrieve the bodies. You know, or if you want to, you know, put some lie down there and have some type of system where it just flushes out naturally. You got to put down a system. Then you got to call a union plumber. Then you got to have an electrician down there. It's it's a mess. It's a mess. It's just a, fuck it. An absolute mess. The uh, you know, the a lot easier to just be you know a villain in the eighties. Anyway, so Nicholas Cage is tied up. Um, he has been uh, crucified um, on his left side, left hand side, nailed, literally nailed into the ground. Um, his hand, and then the other hand is handcuffed on a pipe, uh, and he has a little bit of a negotiation with the uh, with the first guy. Uh, he loosens up a pipe and smashes him up, which is pretty great. Um, and then he decides to go up into the house uh, where one of the uh, the bikers is doing coke and watching some good old fashioned early '80s porn um, with literally like the same scene just recut in different places. It's literally the same scene. Yep. Some um, uh, repeat because why not? I mean, well, yeah, why not? The I'm like like the dude who's who's doing the blow is gonna know the um. Uh, anyway, so uh, so Nick um tries to sneak up on him and then he sees in his reflection, um uh, and then it gets to jump on him. Uh, then they uh, they end up getting a little fight, which is pretty cool. 
I think he takes out one more person after that. The um, yeah, there's uh, some biker with a shotgun that comes in and he fucks him up too. The um, and then Nicholas Cage uh, gets a little bit of blow uh, to get him supercharged, and then he finds the acid that these bikers have been on. And LSD. The L- I'm sorry, the LSD. LSD acid. It's the same thing. It's yeah. Yeah. Or the, so I hear. They. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so Nicholas Cage has a little bit of acid, which I'm sure Nicholas Cage has done many times in his own life. You don't say. The uh, little bit of coke, a little bit of acid. Um, uh, you know how they say, like, the, this acid's so good, I feel like my face is melting off. This is face-melting acid. It literally does that in his imagination. His face melts. Um, and then he sees what the biker sees. Um, and then... He uh, kills the rest of the gang, which is pretty cool. And then it's off to the cult members. The um, and then uh, um, and then you know, um, and it's then such I'll... a fun goddamn movie, and it looks yeah. so beautiful. And then it also has one of the best soundtracks in a movie I've heard in a very long time. Uh, yeah, it it had a pretty a pretty good ending. I was I, it had a very nice metaphorical ending. You know, um, just getting the revenge, and you know, and. It, it's almost it's almost justice, the um and that and that coal leader was nuts. Yeah. Like and and you know and I and I was and I, kind of glad that he didn't die, the way he was behaving bef- right before as as a total weenie because I'm like oh I've seen that before with with these type of cult members and I'm kind of glad he just died with his episode of his personality. Oh, you know the ruthless one. That, well, I mean, most uh, people like that are fucking cowards. Well, it's true. The um, and this dude was clearly had some type of split personality that made him believe that he was talking to God, the um, or talking to some type of higher power. But yeah, it's um, called drugs. The um, uh, yeah, that's that's true too. The um, but yeah, the, and then him burning down the whole uh, whole place. The um, and then oh, by the way, totally tossing her head. Um, to the cult member, the older lady. I just wish we would have saw him decapitate the bitch. The um, it, it, I was like, oh, I've seen this a dozen times. He totally, he totally cabin in the woods, sir. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. The um, and then also the the the. I loved the lighting in the whole movie, but I loved it even more the more the movie went on. The um, especially the last part with the um, uh, you know, with the strobe light effect. Not really strobe light. It's a slower version of a strobe light. Yeah. yeah. The um, but yeah, it was, I mean, to get, uh, some of the color in this movie. Like there are scenes where they had like three or four different filters just stacked in front of the lens, um, which I mean, some of those filters really eat up the light. So they must have they had to have been blasting light on that set. Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, Especially during those night scenes. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, they use like red filters, chocolate filters, tobacco filters. Uh, I think there are a few others that aren't coming to mind right now. There's a few greens in there too um, that I'm like, Jesus Christ. But yeah, shortly after seeing the movie, I actually bought a red filter and gave Zach his own sort of Mandy-ish headshot. It was his Facebook profile picture for a good while. Still is. I switched it back a while back and I haven't changed it. There was there was one shot that I just loved and and it was so simple and I think a lot of people won't will forget it but it's one of the moments when he's driving away um, in his pickup truck um, driving somewhere and it's and it's on that it's on a one lane road with two forests on each side and they accentuate the red from the back tail lights 
So as it's driving forward, the the uh, the red pops on the green on the green trees um, as his backlights touch them, um, and it's just a really 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 cool effect that I love. And how he's in red on the front, and then the the red shoots out the back of the pickup truck on the on the lights as it goes forward. It was just it was super fucking cool. The um, in a movie that has amazing shots and amazing lighting, this is one of those ones that I'm. It's gonna stick in my head. It's 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 very simple, but it was really effective. Yeah. And uh, seeing it on the big screen was pretty cool too. Uh, Zach and I saw it with Wes at the Music Box. Oh, no. It was the the only bad thing. Well, the only two bad things were one, it was in the small theater. It was in their second yeah, theater. which I don't know why the hell they made that decision, but yeah, whatever. Um, I and mean, I'm sure if they were to do a midnight screening now, they could probably easily sell it out in the big theater. Uh, and we also had like one audience member in there that was just going a little too far with her enthusiasm where it was really starting to bug me and Wes. It bugged uh, you and Wes way more than it bugged me. I was fine, but I like, I was more annoyed about like, Oh God, Wes, don't freak the fuck out. <laughs> that was my big concern. I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah, but overall it was a very fun screening. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I am kind of jealous that I didn't get to see this. I mean, of course, Brendan, your screen is fantastic, but I would have loved to have seen it on a big screen just to see the um, the colors uh, really, really pop with with this movie. Yeah. The, um, I mean, it's taken Technicolor to the nth degree of extreme. The, um, uh, in yeah, if you want to make an indie movie a cult movie you know a, you know something like like this this is how you do it this is a master class in that yeah you actually have a story and you make it entertaining the um and, and, and by the way it doesn't have to be an overly complicated story because this is not a overly complicated story it's it's pretty it's straightforward as you can get correct yeah. it's but very... again there's a story correct there's it... a beginning there's a middle there's an end there's something that there's something there something actually happens this is this is true. What happens in an A twenty four movie? We're gonna let the scene draw out while this song plays because it it really speaks to me, you know. The Zach, yes, Zach, we're still in business hours. You know the rules. Uh, it's past eight o'clock. We're past business hours, Mark. I'm adjusting the business hours. You anyway. can't do that <laughs> when you're a business owner. Every hour is a business hour. This is not true. The, yes, it is. It is. It is. You signed the paperwork. The uh, so did you. you. Therefore, it's not. The <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, this is a really good movie, and and everybody's performance was great. Um, it, it was, it was a lot of it. It it, it was exactly what it needed to be. Um, the guy who played the cold leader was great. Um, Mandy was great for for what she was. Obviously, she wasn't in, you know, as much of the movie, but the scenes that she was in was very first effective. half of the movie was Mandy. Second half of the movie was Nicolas Cage. One hundred percent. The yeah. uh, and Nick Cage was great. Um, uh, you know, for this this is the type of role that did. Um, that he, he was been, born to play. I, I don't want to say born to play because there's plenty of other roles he's done. He's just this is a perfect perfect casting. It's it, it's he's built for this type of role. The um and this is kind of where Nicolas Cage should be. The uh, I mean yeah he does fine in in you know mainstream work. Um and there's plenty of mainstream movies that I love him in. But I, I think that he he I, I don't know the guy personally, but I think he feels more comfortable in this world and therefore when he feels more comfortable he's in a better position to give a better performance the um the um you know that might be a gross generalization and i might be completely off but it kind of feels like that 
the um but yeah i would definitely if you're a fan of of any kind of you know indie movie cult movie um horror movie um revenge story um if you're a fan of nicholas cage um i highly recommend this movie it was a it was a lot of fun and it was um stunning a stunning looking movie absolutely stunning yes it was good <laughs> the yeah, uh it's um and earlier during like the whole shelter in place thing this year i went back and did some instagram posts for my top 10 movies of each year from 2010 to 2019 and i did put mandy at the top for 2018 oh okay so i really liked it it was my favorite movie of that year same here um yeah i really like it Really wanted to get that uh, special edition that was only sold in Germany. Yeah. The one with the LP and everything like that. I was like, oh my God, but that thing just, it's going on like $200 on eBay right now. Yeah. And every time I tried getting it, when it came out, it was like, it, I just kept getting outbid because people are pricks. I kind of felt the same way about how uh, France got a like super deluxe edition of the Hateful Eight when that came out on Blu-ray. It's like, why there? Why not here? You don't think it'll sell? Like, I just don't understand it. Who knows? I mean, what was Mandy's actual box office? Because it's definitely not a mainstream movie. Like this no, isn't. Sadly, this is not what the masses are flocking to. Um, but I mean, hey, that that version, that collector's edition, sold. So I I do think it would have sold. Hell, I would have bought it. But because they didn't sell it here, it was you know a huge pain in the ass. Well, that sucks. It was only a 1.4 million um, box office on yeah, a budget. On a six million dollar budget, domestic was 1.2 million, and worldwide was 1.5. That sucks. So it didn't even make its money back. Nope, not really. That's a goddamn shame. And actually, the funny thing is, if you if you look at the actual reviews for the movie. It's even the critics actually liked it a lot. It was ninety one percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Here's the thing: I think one of the reasons it didn't make that much money is because it was only in very, very select theaters. Which, what was the reason they didn't get a wide theater release? I'm gonna guess just because, like, I mean, it was produced by Spectre Vision, a lot of other smaller places, so it's they probably just didn't have a big distributor for it. Yeah, I, I just because it's like you got Elijah Wood's uh, production company, which they are not big. It still has the name Elijah Wood it behind it. It has his name, but they And then you also big. have Nicolas Cage's name behind it. Uh, that, I mean, that's uh, a combination that's not a bad combination and you would think No, would but get... I mean if you don't have the if you don't have the big distributor that can get it to the bigger theaters, it, it doesn't matter who you have. It's, it's if you're just not big if you're if you don't have a big distributor behind you, you're not going to get that wide of a release. And it, and unfortunately it's and there's just also one... marketing budgets and Correct. All that good stuff. And also on top of it, Nicolas Cage's weight, um, unfortunately, nowadays doesn't hold as much as it did in the 90s. Yeah. The, um, he's had a lot of, like, like bad flops. The, um, uh, so it just doesn't quite... I mean, it holds weight, but it doesn't hold the weight that it used to hold. Especially if it's somebody, you know, just Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is known for doing, you know, like lower indie movies that are sometimes just straight to... Yeah, most, most regular people, I'd think have the impression that Nicolas Cage will literally do anything. So it's like, okay, is this Nicolas Cage in a good movie or is this just Nicolas Cage in another movie? 
Yeah, and I, and I get that, and I'm, I you know totally get that. But you know, the um, but sometimes you miss some good gems yep. like this one. The uh, so, when do uh, final thoughts? I feel like we kind of just did. Yeah. Cool. Brandon, sign us out. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Nightmares Podcast. You can listen to all of our previous episodes wherever podcasts are available. Also be sure to look us up at Midwest Horror Network on all of our social media, including YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher. And of course, if you are on fa- uh, or excuse me, if you are on YouTube uh, watching this, uh, go ahead and uh, smash that like button and uh, stab the subscribe. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And if you're checking us out on Spotify, go ahead and press that follow button. And also, if you're on YouTube, one more favor. Click that little dingy bell so you can be notified every time we drop content on the Midwest Horror Network. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time on the Nightmares Podcast. <laughs>